G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And our very special guest talking through some of these issues, what that all means and just how we can all benefit by keeping the main thing the main thing. Terence Baxter is the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. Now that's a wonderful ministry organisation that has had a major uh, uh, extra uh, revitalization of recent times and so uh, Terence Baxter great to see you thank welcome to the studio wonderful to be here Neil good to see your face mobile mission maintenance give us a quick uh, update on where you guys are at because uh, you were going through some tough times and you've had a major revitalization and some of that's what we're going to talk about today sure but uh, what, where's MMM at right now well in some respects we've never been busier but in other respects we could do a whole lot more um, last year, I think when I was here last year, we were just celebrating our 40th anniversary. We're coming up to 41 years. Uh, they tell us we're getting old. Um, but that's part of what the conversation is about, keeping the main thing the main thing. We, we've really been refocusing on what our core vision and our core mission has been. Uh, and, and that's been a, a major exercise for me and for our board to look and say, you know, what is it that we were called to do and are we doing it? And if we're not, how do we get back to that? Is that where we should be or is God calling us somewhere different? You know, it's great to reflect on this because the church is 2,000 years old, uh, almost. Uh, but when we talk about Christians and keeping the main thing the main thing, uh, the church has really blanketed the face of the earth. And in every generation, there needs to be some levels of renewal. And so if anyone knows about uh, reformation of uh, changing direction, getting back to the main thing. Christians ought to be experts on this. Neil, I think the word revival means reviving what we're supposed to be doing and bringing us back to what God wants us to do. That's that's when I find revival is most pertinent in the church is when the church is being revived. Okay, so revival's a part of this conversation as well. And, uh, and so it's not just about getting back on track if you've drifted away from your original intent. Uh, this has so many different applications. And I want to invite our listeners to join in our conversation. Uh, when was a time when you had lost direction and you came back on track? Do you think of that as revival? Uh, what about the local church that you're a part of? You might like to make your own little assessment right now. Is it in need of a revival in your local church? Uh, you might have your own perception. You might like to share your own ideas about how things change when they go from bad to worse and then back to being brilliant again. Now, let's talk about mobile mission maintenance because uh, the journey of this recent time has taken on a whole new uh, excitement it sure has, and look, we we get about 180 requests for assistance in Australia each year, 180 to 190. Um, that's one every two days from somewhere in Australia that says, can you come and help us with our buildings? Can you come and help us with our facilities? Not always churches. There's Christian schools and orphanages, um, 
people like Vision Media. We've been here and built some studios with you in the past and uh, other other uh, media organisations we've been involved with. Anything to do with pro- the proclamation of the gospel is who we're working with. And so getting one every two days, we can't do them all. Uh, but to do around 80 to 90 projects across Australia each year is a major exercise for us to keep on the road, to be out there, and we can't do it without our volunteers. We can't do it without the people that put their hand up and say, you know, I may not be a tradesperson, but I know how to paint a wall, or I've got trade skills, how can I use them? And we we pick those up. I, I reckon I get across my desk three a week of I'd like to hook up with you, and we put them directly in touch with our regional centres uh, in Queensland, in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia and Tasmania, and uh, and we put them directly in touch with them to say, okay, we're the local people. You can you can work locally, or if you want, I'll send you to the other side of the country. What do you want to do? And people just go and do. There's something that that is is really dear to my heart about this, and that is that we're called to be the body of Christ. And when you think about a body, it has feet and it has hands. Feet go, hands do. So let's go and do. And that's what MMM is all about, going and doing it. Right at the moment, we've got teams uh, spread routed across Australia. I can tell you that on this beautiful sunny morning, I guarantee you it's a sunny morning where these people are. I've got a team on Goulburn Island off the coast of Northern Territory. Another team, a half of that team is in Darwin still. We've got people working in Queensland, uh, rural New South Wales, city New South Wales, Regional Victoria, I don't think there's actually a project at the moment in Melbourne, but we've got three lined up in the city. Yep. Uh, uh, Tasmania, we've got two projects on the go. West Australia, we've got five. There's just work is coming out of our ears. Volunteers, well, I need a few more. You know, for some people listening to this conversation, they're going to say, I didn't even know that there was a ministry whose ministry was to look after the infrastructure of the church in Australia. and uh, And some people will be thinking... That is just an amazing calling. And as you say, uh, 40-year anniversary last year. This is your 41st year. Uh, MMM, Mobile Mission Maintenance, has been working very hard all this time and working on uh, any number of different uh, different levels of, of church maintenance. Uh, do you guys actually build churches too, or is it, or is it mainly just maintaining the infrastructure, or, uh, or you, do you like to avoid the idea that well, we'll, come, we'll come and build your church? We, we have built churches, and uh, the, the last church I know that we were actively involved in building was actually in Cairns, and uh, we had a team going up there. It's, ve- it's, it's getting harder and harder and harder for uh, the environment of volunteers to be building churches because of regulatory requirements, and that's another wonderful part of my life is keeping my eye across all of that. Um, but it, it, it is harder and compliance in this day and age for every industry, but particularly for the building industry is, is uh, getting more and more complex. But we want to be able to help churches. Uh, we want to be able to help Christian organisations. And if if it's beyond us, what we do know is we know people who can do it, who have a like or kindred spirit to us, Christian builders uh, around Australia that want to get involved and help we can help their business um, because it, it needs a commercial touch when you're going to spend a million dollars or two million or three million dollars building a large a large building. Um, but we get in beside them and work with them with our volunteers as partners with the partner builders and the church and do it as a three-way partnership to save them 
significant costs. I think if we were letting our imagination run wild, we would think about the size of the infrastructure of the Christian church right across Australia. Now, talking about all the denominations, uh, all of those churches that have been built over 200 plus years, uh, the interesting and uh, very real fact is, whenever you have any church infrastructure, it is deteriorating right now. And a time will come when it needs maintenance. And the idea of maintaining a whole church building sometimes takes particular people within a church context who are passionate and skilled to be able to do that. Uh, it's easy for things to get out of hand, Terence. Things can deteriorate fairly quickly if you don't pay attention to the infrastructure. Neil, the purpose of the church, a very wise man once told me that the purpose of the church is not to own buildings. It's to reach the lost. And therefore, good churches focus on that and, and reaching the lost. A consequence of doing that is you need a building to work out of. So I'm not saying we shouldn't own buildings. It's just not the purpose. But it's easy to focus on on reaching the lost and forget about the building. And eventually it deteriorates, and it's a thing that accountants and bean counters like to call depreciation. And it deteriorates down. And, and if we're not good stewards of what God has placed in our hands, then we're failing in part of our mission. And so not every church can do it. Some of the larger churches have their own property wardens and their own people that look after this and great volunteers and they've got their own tradies and they do it and they do a fantastic job of looking after it. Others are a bit smaller or, or don't have that skill set or are focused on different things. We can come in and help them and do that. And, and I don't think there's anywhere around Australia that we haven't been. I think there's a few uh, minds uh, ticking over right now going, you know what, I think we could use a bit of help from uh, mobile mission maintenance. And there's others who are saying, well, if any someone would ask me, I'd be involved in a ministry like that because that's the stuff I'm good at. I'm not so good standing up on the platform being the preacher, but boy, oh boy, can I swing a hammer? Can I uh, use the tools of my trade uh, to do something? And sometimes uh, it's just that nobody's asked them before. When you talk about a shortage of volunteers, more projects that you can work on than you have volunteers to respond, uh, what sort of trades are, are uh, and you mentioned that anyone can, can do something as, as long as you've got some sort of practical skills, but what sort of trades are most essential in what, in what uh, you use on mobile mission maintenance? Um, we, uh, pardon me, we do a lot of... Uh, um, a lot of maintenance is, is around the cosmetic of just giving it a paint lift and a, and a revamp. Uh, some of it is carpentry and woodwork. Um, so the likes of builders or carpenters, cabinet makers, um, painters, uh, electricians, uh, we have a desperate need for plumbers uh, all over Australia. There's always seems to be a job that needs a plumber. And I don't know what they're doing, but they're not, they're not with us, Neil. And so we need plumbers. And, and I've got to say, you know, I live in Victoria, but our, our state manager way up in Queensland, he's a, he's a plumber. And I can't spend him all over Australia. But we need plumbers. You name it. If there's a skill, Neil... <clears throat> it's plumbing. Plumbing. <laughs> Give you a moment to clear your throat. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Terence Baxter, our guest, he's the national CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. Terence, when we talk about keeping the main thing the main thing, this issue which is called mission creep, uh, what does all that mean? Oh, gosh, where do you start, Neil? Look, it's something that I guess I've been considering. I've been sitting in the chair now for almost three years and uh, 
when I when you first come in as a, a new into an organisation, particularly as a CEO, you sit down and you look and say, "What is it we're supposed to be doing?" But the next question is, "Well, what are we actually doing?" And uh, you start to evaluate all plans and programs and everything else, and you find out that we started off doing something that was an inch wide, and now we're doing something that's a mile wide, and we haven't got any deeper, so we're very thin. Uh, that's not always the case. Uh, Sometimes we started off doing uh, doing this pointing north and now we're pointing east, uh, if I can use it in a compass term. So we've shifted direction on what we're doing, but we were originally called to do this. I'm not saying that's the way MMM was, but in general in organisations, mission creep is you start off with a challenge or a call in one direction and it either broadens so you're so thin on the ground that you're no earthly good or you're pointing in the wrong direction because over a period of time you shift half a degree every month and eventually you're a long way out of so you've got uh, all good organisations that have great people who are working with them and in them and for them, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of those people have great ideas. New opportunities come along, doors open, and you begin to add more to the sorts of things that you do, and you feel good about that because you feel like you're uh, in expansion mode and you think you can try something different, and yes, we can give some attention over here. You might even be filled with compassion and say we can help these people. Uh, but there's some risks in all of that. There is a risk. And, and the first thing that you have to do, I mean, there's there's total value in planning and in writing down that plan and then sticking to it. In business, they call it your mission statement. Uh, in, in missions, we call it our mission statement or our vision or our direction. And we write it down and we say, this is what we're doing. But one of the things that I find is is absolutely critical in this whole process is a thing that we try to avoid a lot in our life. It's called accountability. And getting someone to keep you accountable to your what you're called to do, what you're targeted. It doesn't matter whether you're an individual and this is you know this is your gifting, or whether it's a church or whether it's an organisation like Mobile Mission Maintenance. Keeping having people that you're accountable to that keep you on that direction that go that say this is what you set out to do. Are you still doing it? And if not, why? Okay, let's talk about those people who you might be accountable to because in a personal sense, uh, you might say, well, I'm a Christian believer and uh, what am I supposed to do and what am I actually doing? Uh, Accountability might come with uh, that relationship that you might have with your pastor. Absolutely. Uh, If it's in a business setting, uh, you might have a board or you might have a sort of an executive leadership team. And they, these are the sorts of people you're talking about that, that are supposed to keep the main thing the main thing and keep everybody accountable. Absolutely. And look, for most organisations, they write down their charter. This is what we're doing. This is what we set out to do. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, management t- tends to get around that and say, well, we need a plan to get there and how are we going to do that? They call that strategic planning and they put the strategies in place to achieve what it is they want to achieve. But for individuals, you know, we're really good at not writing. We have great ideas in our head, and I think God has called me to do this, and we go off to do it, and then six months later we're doing something else, and then six months after that we're doing something else, when in actual fact probably that initial thing is what God's called you to do, and we've drifted. We've drifted away from that. Okay, let's talk about identifying uh, personally and perhaps for business or ministry, how you actually identify what that main thing is. Does it have to do with the passion of your heart and, or, is it, uh, or is it a bit broader than that? You need a little bit extra wise counsel. I think it's both. You know, you, you definitely, in my own personal life, the things that I've been passionate about are usually the things that God has placed in my spirit and said, you know, 
you're good at this. Some things will become natural to you because God has gifted you, not because you've got skills in any area, but because there's a gift from God. And so that's that's an indication of where God can use you. And if you're passionate about speaking, if you're passionate about it, you'll practice, you'll rehearse, you'll do all the training, do all the things that need to be done. And that's natural to you. This is what God's called you to do. Um, can I give you an example? Uh, my, my wife, uh, bless her heart, she's been involved in kids' church or kids' ministry inside our church for probably 38 years. Uh, I can speak, no problem, but I can't speak to kids. That's not my gift. Uh, it put me in a room with kids, and I'm I'm fearful. They're going to tear me apart. Put my put my wife on a put my wife on a stage with 500 people in an auditorium. She'll go to jelly. We will be comfortable where God's placed us, even though we're challenged. And so everybody's gift is different. And it's a case of saying, well, I'm not going to try and force my wife's mission to be preaching in a church. That's not her gift. Her gift is ministering to children. Uh, the image that's coming to mind as you start to share that sort of thing, and I know that people have uh, some struggles when it comes to, you know, when uh, they're in ministry roles or ministering to children. Remember the old movie Kindergarten Cop oh, yeah. with, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and finding himself in the classroom with all those little children? And, uh, you know, and I think there'll be a lot of listeners who can identify that with that. Others will be saying, what have you got to be afraid of? But uh, <laughs> I can imagine you in that, set- in that setting. So I've used an example with my wife, and she'll be mortified now if she's listening. But imagine you're a carpenter and you're going to church every Sunday. Uh, you're an electrician. You're going to church every Sunday. You're faithful. You're in the church, but you feel like you can't. You've got nothing to contribute to this church because they don't need an electrician. Everything's working. You know, once a year you check the switchboard or whatever you're going to do. There is a way to use your gift. It, it just means sometimes you're not going to change what your gift is, but sometimes you just got to lift your eyes above the horizon and go a bit further to use it. And so it might be the church next to you. And you stay, I'm, I'm not saying change churches. What I'm saying is be grounded and rooted in your church, but look where there's opportunities for ministry elsewhere beyond the horizons of where you are. But keep the narrow vision of what God's called you to do. Now, I've seen this over the years where there's been a church uh, development, whether it's a new church building or whether it's an extension, and tradespeople in church life come to life when there is something that is according to their gifting and they rise to the occasion. And I've even seen that beyond uh, the completion of a church building project, uh, some of those tradespeople sort of almost uh, drift into a, you know, a malaise because the job's done and what is there for me now? Is this the sort of thing that you find with tradespeople? Yeah, very much, very much. It's almost I, I was useful for a while and inside their thought patterns is all of a sudden I'm useless. Well, you're not useless. There's just another opportunity somewhere else. And, you know, one of the things we, we always say and do within MMM is if somebody's coming to us, to, to volunteer and they're going to be involved in projects here, there and across Australia, I want the endorsement of their pastor. I want them to be ground, grounded and rooted in their in their church where they are. I want them to be sent by their church to say, yes, here is somebody you can use and we endorse that. Because if they're not firmly grounded in their own church, eventually they'll become useless to us. 
Well, wanting to invite listeners to join into our conversation, our talkback line is open and uh, a a different sort of a conversation today, but you might be relating to the sorts of things you're hearing from our special guest, Terence Baxter, who's the national CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. Uh, love to hear from some tradespeople today. Uh, tell us your experience. What do you feel like in church life? Uh, is there opportunity for you to use your skills in your local church or in your broader community? Uh, what would it do for you if you knew that there were opportunities that your gifts, that your skills could be used in, uh, in communities that are nearby to you? Uh, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your insights into what we're talking about today, uh, which is all about keeping the main thing the main thing. And I guess if you're talking about the uh, individual person, if you're gifted in a certain way, keeping the main thing, if you're an electrician or a plumber, uh, just to reinforce that there's a need for plumbers in mobile mission maintenance. If you're a plumber, well, uh, there's opportunities to serve God and you might be missing your calling if you're not attentive to some of those taps on the shoulder. For sure, for sure. And it's and it's really easy to, to say, well, I'm a plumber five days a week, but I go to church on Sundays. Well, you're a Christian seven days a week. And if there's an opportunity to serve and you can't find it and you want to, you want to find it. You know, perhaps you're a retired plumber or a semi-retired electrician or a carpenter and you've got time available, particularly if you've got a caravan, we can send you anywhere and uh, just get there and, and you'll find. One of the things we find is that the greatest ministry that MMM has is not putting paint on walls or, or fixing buildings. It's the encouragement that comes to a small church in the middle of nowhere when a team of people come and help them. We had a we had a team uh, several years ago out on Croker Island up in the Northern Territory, and uh, we did a big job for the church there. and uh, And we got a letter from the pastor afterwards, and it simply said this: "You know, you came to renovate our church, but you ended up renovating our hearts. You came to fix our church, but you ended up fixing our community." You're preaching a little louder than if you would be on a platform. If you turn up and you're rolling your sleeves up and you're helping with the church infrastructure and you're doing, as you say, slapping the paint on or uh, fixing the plumbing, uh, you're just making an amazing statement uh, of uh, of solidarity with those churches that are sometimes in very isolated and remote locations. Yeah, so look, sometimes our, our, one of the things our teams always do is they have morning tea. It's... It, Call it a tradie tradition, but we share that with the church. We share it with the local church, and the pastors generally come in, sit down, and, and share with the team. The number of comments and letters I get from pastors in the middle of nowhere, I got one from a pastor in Griffith uh, earlier this year who said, your team came, and they reinvigorated my ministry. This is a pastor in a church, and it wasn't because we put paint on the wall. It was because they had the time to share and care with somebody who just needed to be heard and listened to and and encouraged by some people. Now, our tradies, they didn't go to do that. They're beautiful Christian people. They're they're wonderful teams. I know the teams personally that were out there. They they love the Lord and they're passionate about it and they just encourage, encourage, encourage when they're in the local church. Let me just double back to the planning idea because if you're a trades person and a lot of trades people, they work for themselves, they're their own business and whether they're sole traders or they've got a whole bunch of other people working with them, they're often in business and they're in business to make money. But if you're a Christian tradesperson, you recognize you've got some skills there and they could be used to improve and maintain 
the infrastructure in churches, and it might not be your denomination, it could be a whole bunch of different Christian denominations that need your help. Is there some way, if you come back to that planning, that tradespeople ought to be thinking in there of how they can plan into their business experience the possibility of sharing their skills in the kingdom? Absolutely. Um, Look, let me give you another example. There's a guy who, he sold his business now, but a few years ago he owned a building business in Victoria. And uh, they built, uh, can I say, executive-style homes or, you know, the the upper echelon of of, uh, architect design homes. He built into his business plan, beautiful Christian guy, every year his whole team would go on a missions trip with MMM for two weeks, just two weeks. And they gave up two weeks of their leave every year to go on a planned MMM exercise to somewhere else in Australia, and it could be three days travel to get there, work two weeks, three days travel home again. And that was built into his business plan. And he was so blessed by uh, by that as a... Uh, as an outreach, as a way of, of sharing his business skills and his wealth and his his business acumen and yet do it in a practical way. Um, and he continues to do that today. He's a, he's a wonderful guy and there are, there's lots of opportunities. It, the, the one thing I know is that people don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. And so once you build it into a plan, you can be kept accountable. Um I'm, I know where my pastor is right at this point in time. He's actually in New Zealand. Uh, he's in a series of meetings. His wife is there with him, and they'll be there until Friday next week And because he, he tells me where he's going. He keeps himself accountable to me, and he knows where I am right at this point in time because I keep myself accountable to him. Once our vision, once our plan is accountable to someone, it's a whole lot easier to make it work and make it happen. And so that accountability, and I spoke about it before, it's so critical in, to, in what we're doing. Um, let, me, let me share another story, and this is a, a bit of a passion of mine. I found myself in an environment where every single person I interacted with in my life was a Christian. I work for a missions organization. My family, bless, I'm, I'm so blessed that my kids are, are in church with me every Sunday. They've made their own decisions. But everyone was a Christian, and yet I still had an urge to reach the lost. So one of my passions was chaplaincy, sports chaplaincy. And so I decided to become a sports chaplain to a football club. Now, the first thing I did was talk to my wife. And when she stopped laughing about the time and everything else, I was accountable to her that I had said, this is what I'm going to do. I spoke with my pastor. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, And I kept myself, I went to Sports Chaplaincy Australia, said, how do I do this? And for the past two years, I've been the chaplain to a football club in Victoria. And I love it. But I'm there because I'm accountable and somebody kept asking me the question, how are you going with this? What are you doing with that? It's not about control. It's about accountability. And and so if we're accountable for our vision and say, I want to use my skills for the betterment of the kingdom, tell someone, put a plan together, go and do it and keep yourself true to that plan. And don't drift from it. That's what God's called you to do. In the absence of any other instruction from God, follow the last instruction. And I think, you know what, a good a good uh, uh, note here is uh, take your pastor out for coffee uh, because uh, pastors like getting invited out for coffee 
because uh, it seems like an informal great way to get together. But in the conversation that can flow when uh, when everybody's uh, charged on caffeine, uh, you can really uh, bring out a whole lot of great stuff and uh, get that relationship with your pastor that can bring that sort of accountability and those wise words and how to keep the main thing the main thing. We are going to continue our conversation beyond the news. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Terence Baxter is our guest. He's the national CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. Back with more after the news. There has also been a special focus in on tradespeople who could certainly be doing something very significant in the kingdom of God, in the infrastructure that needs to be supported right around this wonderful big wide nation of ours. Terence, when we talk about keeping the main thing the main thing, uh, as you reflect on the church, and we said, well, the church has been going nearly 2,000 years. We should be very good at uh, reformation and getting back on track. And, and this sort of stuff happens. I guess there's a lot of wisdom we call on. But when we talk about the main thing uh, being the main thing and keeping it that way, uh, when you talk about what the church ought to be doing in mission, what is your thought on, on the church doing the main thing? Oh, boy, where do you start? There's 66 books to draw from. Um, Neil, I'm always drawn to James one twenty seven, where it says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, that we visit widows and orphans in their distress and that we keep ourselves unstained by the world. I love that passage. I love it because it's so clear in, in when we take it into context. You know, in the day of James when he wrote this passage, the most pressing social concern of the day was widows and orphans being missed and not being cared for. And so what we can learn from that is that the the core mission of the church is twofold. One, to address the most pressing social concerns of the day into our communities where we're placed and into the people that come into those communities. And the second one is to address the most pressing spiritual concern of the day. Now, you know, widows and orphans in Australia are, are largely taken care of. You know, we have a government that has social welfare and uh, the church is involved in a lot of that and they work fabulously in different things. But other pressing concerns such as refugees and uh, and avenues like that, that's what the church should be doing into the community to reach the lost and show God's love into the lives of those that are suffering in those areas. The second one is to keep ourselves unstained by the world. The most pressing spiritual concern of the day. Somehow I don't think that's changed in 2000 years since he wrote that. It's uh you know we we need to keep ourselves right before God to, to say when I do what God has called me to do I'm not going to have to worry about whether my relationship has drifted with God that I'm right before God. Interesting tension that's developed over the centuries and people will recognize this division that that some churches are very interested and passionate about the mission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Uh, the idea of making disciples actually makes that more complicated because that's a bigger that's bigger than just uh, the preaching. Uh, but then you've got this other side of church where this tension is on caring for the needs of the poor. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talk about the orphans and the widows and those sorts of things are very important. So you've got, uh, in some respects, you can probably identify where your own local church might lie in the way, in the in the, the, the particular direction that they go. Some people struggle with that, but I guess you've got to identify which part you're fulfilling because all of those things are important. Mm, absolutely. Neil, uh, 
a, a couple of years ago I was in Darwin and uh, speaking, just sharing in a church, just a very brief segment in a church. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty shy person, actually. And I, I sat down in the, in, the, in the last row and thought, you know, I can walk up there while my video's playing and they'll know what MMM's all about. And, and I was sitting in the, in the last row and sitting on the aisle and somebody came along to me and said, could you please move these seats are reserved? And I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. And as I got up to move, uh, I moved down a couple of rows on the other side, this person came to explain to me that they need to reserve these two rows for refugees from the detention centre in Darwin. They had an outreach to this community and uh, they had to sit in the back row because their guard who came with them to every church service had to be right behind them. And I looked behind and here was one of our uh, wonderful community uh, guards that uh, the government employs with his gun to make sure that these people stayed in church. Um, But uh, it, it really touched me that this church had this mission to into the refugee centre and that these Iranian refugees that had come along to church had come to a foreign country, uh, travelled overseas and, and put their life at risk to get here and yet somehow, somewhere along the way, someone cared enough to go and see them and they'd found God and uh, that really touched my heart and I had to repent of my attitude of saying, how do we have reserved seats in churches? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and uh, you know, and there's also scripture that uh, that talks about being invited to come and sit in the front row uh, and take the place of uh, of prominence. But actually, uh, yeah, you you were sort of in the in the middle of all of that, and uh, and sometimes it's an affront to hear someone say, "Oh, do you mind moving? We've got these seats re- reserved." But you've got to be humble enough to be able to respond when the call comes. When I found out what the mission of the church was, it was easy. And uh, you know, you sort of you get a, you, it's easy to become offended at things. The Bible says that it's impossible that offences won't come. Uh, we've got to get beyond that and say, what has God called me to do? What has God called the church to do? And make sure that we continue to do that. And if that means rever- reserving two rows for the the Iranian refugees in the detention centre on a Sunday morning, then that's what we do, and uh, and go about doing it. Let's talk about identifying our own personal mission, uh, our gifting or our calling as individuals. Where do you like to start with that when you're talking to people about about getting this main thing, the main thing and keeping it all on track? The, the, the essence to this is that I can't tell somebody what their gift is, what God's called them to do. Only they will know. What we can do is encourage them to seek after God and to listen to God. You know, it's easy to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then not listen. Um, sometimes he challenges and we say, oh, I, I didn't really actually think that. I'm not sure whether you ever envisaged you'd always be in radio if that's what God was calling you to do. But you sit back and say, well, that wasn't what I was thinking. Uh, well, no, but it's what God was thinking. Um at the moment, I'm looking for a state manager for our Victorian office. Um, we're just going through the process, and I'm having a discussion with somebody. And uh, and I, anybody can do this role if they apply themselves to it. But the one challenge that I had for this person that I'm continuing a discussion with is, you need to go away and find out if this is what God's called you to do. Because it's it's easy for somebody to pick up the skills to do this. But if that's what God's called you to do, then you'll do it. And you'll do it with a glad heart and a willingness to go wherever and do whatever because you're not being called by man. You're being called by God. And that's true whether you're a manager, whether you're a pastor in a church, whether you're a husband to a wife, if that's what God has called you to do, that's what your mission is, or whether you're a tradesman that's being sent to 
Catherine to work in a church. And isn't that one of the miracles of the church? I mean, I sometimes reflect on this, of just how the church exists. And it is miraculous because people are responding to this call of God that's in their heart. Sometimes it's a call to leadership. And and when we talk about that call to leadership, well, not everybody feels like a leader, but there is a leadership in everybody. But when people are called... They respond, and this is how the church actually functions because uh, it's not functioning in the same mechanical way that oftentimes business functions uh, with a product that uh, comes off the assembly line and uh, and is sold at the uh, at the supermarket. It's a different way that the church functions. So when we start to hear about this sort of thing, we're actually identifying our own experience but a miraculous thing that's happening in us that as we respond to that call, the church happens. It does. It does. And look, I, I I say this all the time, but you know, when we're called to be the body of Christ, the body has hands and feet, and feet go, and hands do. So, missions isn't about leadership. Missions is about going and doing, and whatever that is, whatever God has called you to do, that's what you go and do. And and if we if we're delinquent in that, then we're we're not failing the people that we were going to reach. We're not failing our local church. We're failing God. And I don't care whether you're called to go and and be a teacher in a school, in a public school, and be a witness for Christ however you can there, or whether you're called to be another Billy Graham, that if that's what God's called you to do, do it with passion. Do it with all of your heart. Do it with the sense that God has called you to do it, and you'll do it for years with a joyful heart. Terry, let's come back to Mobile Mission Maintenance. This is the wonderful ministry that you're heading up. You're the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance in Australia. You guys have got teams out, as you mentioned a little earlier, uh, all over Australia and a whole lot of different uh, even remote locations where you've got teams that are functioning right now. In fact, they're probably, some of them, stopping for morning tea, as you say, because that's a part of what you do. But these teams are out there working. You're the CEO. There's been a real revitalization of what's happened with MMM. When you identify keeping on track, keeping the main thing the main thing, were there some things you had to rein in when you took over as CEO? That's, that's a really good question. Yes, there was. Um you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, you come in and you look and you go through and assess all the programs. And we, we had a program, um, I won't go into what it was, but when I looked at it, it was a really good thing and, and it, was, it was a fabulous program. Uh, but I looked at it in the context of everything and I looked at it in the context of, of our, our vision and our mission statement. And whilst it was a terrific program, when I tried, I had an uneasiness about it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And when I aligned it with our mission statement, with our vision statement, it just didn't fit. It was like getting six fingers into a five-fingered glove. It just, there was something that wasn't. So I actually made the decision, the executive decision as a CEO. Apparently, I'm allowed to do that. And I said, we're not going to do this anymore. And so I pulled some managers in and I said, listen, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And we're not going to, we're not going to run this program anymore. And I got asked the question, why? And I said, explain just what I've explained then. And they said, that's the best decision you've ever made. And I said, why? And they said, it's upset everybody. I said, well, <laughs> I don't care whether it upsets people, um, either making the decision or not making the decision. I don't care whether – I wanted to make the right decision for God. But when it doesn't align with your vision, then you know you've crept over the line. Then you know you've drifted into an area where perhaps this isn't what God called you to do. 
And whilst it was a terrific program and it, and it was going to achieve probably what it was set out to achieve, it wasn't what we were supposed to be set out to achieve. Someone else will do it and that's fine. Isn't it the case that whether it's an individual getting their life back on track, uh, recognising that God's got a calling and there's a mission, there's a direction for them, or whether it's a church or whether it's your business, whatever it might be, that there are going to be hard decisions to make because sometimes doing all of those things that spread you so thinly, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, sometimes uh, it's painful and it's tough to make those decisions that cut those things free so that you can excel in what you are called to do. It is. And, and look, it's, it's easy to, to visualise that I made an arbitrary decision. I didn't. There were, there were people that I spoke to along the way. But in the end, the decision was mine. One of the best things we can do is make sure that the people that, we're, that we, we keep ourselves accountable to are understanding what we're thinking and why we're making those decisions. And so for me, I have a fabulous board. Uh, the, the, the men and women that, that sit on the board of MMM Australia uh, are godly people who are very gifted. And, but all their gifts amount to nothing if they're not focused on what God's called them to do. And so when, when we're making decisions, we make a decision as a team based on all of the information, all the knowledge, and I'm accountable to that team. I'm accountable to the members of MMM, those that have committed and, and uh, support and are uh, recognised as members of MMM, the MMM community, to say, this is where we're at. And that's why we, we do reporting. You know, We do an annual report that says, this is where we're at. We have transparency in our finances uh, it's published in our annual reports because we need to be accountable to say, well, this is what we set out to achieve this year. Did we do it? And that checking and that rechecking and, and the continual alignment in our personal lives, if, we're, if we speak to our pastor once a year, he's not gonna, we're not accountable. It's just a conversation. I love the concept of, of taking a pastor out for a coffee. I, pray for me, please, because my pastor doesn't like coffee. <laughs> um, but but we, we regularly spend time together. We re, I regularly sit down with him and with the other pastors on the team and say, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. This is what I feel God has called me to do. I'm challenged to do this. Should I be doing it? And, you know, submission isn't submission until – they make a decision or give you advice that you don't agree with, then you've got to check it out. Then you've actually got to sit down and say, oh, hang on, that's not what I had in mind. And, and submit to authority. When people are in authority, submission is the, is the key. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Having a conversation today with the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance, Terence Baxter, our guest. Uh, Terence, great talking about some of these issues, keeping the main thing the main thing. Let's come back, though, and keep the main thing about Mobile Mission Maintenance for a few minutes because tradespeople listening into our conversation now are no doubt uh, inspired that there is an organisation that is interested in the infrastructure of the church right throughout Australia. When we say interest, infrastructure, we're talking about church buildings, manses, uh, those sorts of uh, church halls, some of them that have been there for a long, long time and could do with a bit of a scrub up, could do with some repair to make them presentable and functional. And this is the idea, isn't it? I guess with mobile mission maintenance, you want that church infrastructure to be functional so that the church can fulfil its mission. Absolutely. Uh, 
it's one thing to have a really nice ornate cathedral or something like that, you know, sitting in a town. But if it doesn't fulfil the purpose for which it's there for, um, what's it there for? That's the question. So making uh, churches functional and uh, we get a lot of requests, can you help us revamp our kitchen? And the first question is why? You know, why, why, you know, why do you want to do this? Because we've got a new food program into our community and we just can't keep up with the demand. Well, sure, we jump in and do what we can do. Um, revamping halls so that they can be used for, for kids' church or, or repainting a church or redoing a configuration of, of their offices so that they can accommodate what they're doing. We get all sorts of requests. Well, we were talking about tradespeople a little earlier. You said there's a real need for plumbers uh, for mobile mission maintenance. Uh, everybody's got a plumbing job, but there's, uh, they're a bit rarer to find the actual uh, skill to be able to jump in and do that. Sure. And you, it's all very well to say, well, that local church community can save a few dollars and pay a local plumber to do the to do the job but but here's an opportunity where uh, people can respond to the gift that they have and do something significant in the kingdom uh, this is an important thing this calling on the life of a tradesperson uh, just to re- enlarge a little bit about how important it is for tradies to think about how they might uh, get involved with an organization like mobile mission maintenance sure can I, can I broaden it and say not just tradies uh you know, what, everybody has skills, and uh, you know, whilst I started life as an electrician, we, we've talked about that in the past, and I try and hide it, but uh, but I, uh, there are other things that I can do. Uh, I I tell people I can't paint, and I try not to, but uh, I can paint. Uh, but there are lots of things that I can do, and handymen and uh, and women as well. Uh, can be involved in lots of different things in lots of different ways. But if you've got skills, if somebody's got uh, specific trade skills and they're looking to how they want to use it or they feel they want to use it for the kingdom of God and make themselves available, that's the first step is actually making yourself available because it's one thing to be able to say, oh, yes, well, I'd like to do it, but it's another thing to say, here I am, use me. And so here I am, use me is why don't they jump on our website and connect up with MMM. There's a... There's uh, tradie musters. It's it's all on the website, but there are there are places for trades trades people to hook into us, or they can give us a call on our Melbourne number of oh three nine eight three seven two seven zero zero, or or go to the website and connect up with us uh, www.mmm.org.org that is .au, uh, and uh, and we can respond and uh, put them in touch with the local MMM uh, team in their state in their region and uh, connect up and say, well, we've got opportunities here, here and here. Where do you want to be used and how how do you want to be used? Well, it's an easy website to remember. Uh, the W's and then the M's. That's so au, and you'll be able to just browse that site, have a little look at what MMM does around the nation and see where you might be able to fit in. If you're in a remote community, it's just a matter of making contact because sometime or other a job's going to come nearby where people can connect with that and uh, and participate in it. Yep. There are, can I say there's two main things that they'll see on the front page, uh, things that they can download straight away. One is our team news. Um, we, we produce an internal sort of team news of the stories and uh, and projects that are on and those that are coming up. That's downloadable as a PDF from, from the website. And also one of the most important aspects of our of our uh, ministry is our prayer ministry, and uh, and uh, I have the wonderful Jane Bayless, who's my national prayer coordinator, who diligently puts together twenty points every month to say if you want to pray for MMM, pray for this this month, 
Um, I'm embarrassed that my name appears in there a lot, but I need a lot of prayer. Um, but they can download that uh, that Prayer Force thing, uh, Prayer Force brochure. And, uh, you know, we have a saying in MMM, not everyone can go, not everyone can fund, but everyone can pray. Now, there's another dimension that we haven't talked about, and we've run out of time, so it's only going to get a, a brief mention. But if you have a church building or some of the uh, the associated buildings with your local church, and they do need maintenance, and you need some tradespeople, and uh, there might be some challenges in the way that you are able to do that, or you're just thinking, well, we need some special skills on hand. Uh, people can be in touch with Mobile Mission Maintenance, and you guys don't have any particular preference for certain denominations. You'll work with people who are fulfilling their calling in the kingdom. That's it. Uh, we're totally non-denominational or multi-denominational, however you want to say that. Uh, we'll work with everybody, anywhere and uh, any aspect of their church to make it functional uh, and function better. We've done things from totally renovate the auditorium of a church to fixing the toilets. Uh, but if they if they jump on our website, www.mmm.org.au, uh, on the top line of it, there's a request assistance tag. Uh, jump on that, fill out the thing, hit the button, and uh, somebody, will, uh, somebody will be in touch with them and uh, a, a quick email back that says this is what the process is and these are the people that will be in touch. Well, it's been a great story, a wonderful revitalization of an absolutely amazing ministry, Mobile Mission Maintenance. Uh, that website is mmm.org.au or simply Google Mobile Mission Maintenance. You'll find their website. You'll be able to look at the stories of the projects they're involved in. Uh, you might be able to uh, make that contact. Uh, there'll be telephone links there too, as well as uh, send an email. But get yourself in touch with Mobile Mission Maintenance if you are a tradesperson or if you've got a job that needs attention. Uh, let MMM know, and uh, you just never know. Some opportunity there for having that problem fixed. Terry Baxter, our special guest, the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. Uh, Terence, great having you in the studio today. Let's do this again sometime. Always a pleasure to be here, Neil. Thanks. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.